Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another season of the Cosign Podcast. Listen, I am so thankful for all of the positive feedback, all of the encouragement I got, or Dougie and I got um, from season one. And season two, I promise you, is going to be just as exciting, just as informative. And hopefully you guys get to know just as many amazing, creative people who you can add to your everyday lives. So welcome back to the Cosign Podcast. You're in for a good ride this season. Thanks for tuning What's up, y'all? I want to welcome you to another episode of the Cosign Podcast. I'm here with my brother and friend, Douglas Watley of the Watleys, who is not necessarily on. Are you no longer of the Watleys? I'm of them. Okay. But you're not in them. (laughs) Who are the Watleys? So I'm going to let Dougie explain who the Watleys are, because you know what? I feel like that's a great question. And I feel like so many people want to ask because the way he introduces himself to people is Douglas Watley of the Watleys. And I'm sure like Jody Watley. so many people want no. to know who the Watleys are. So here's a great time. I'll just say it very quickly. Um, when I was 14, I said to a girl, hello, I'm Douglas Watley of the Watleys. She remembered me. I never stopped using it. The end. That's pretty clever. That is pretty I love it. clever. Okay. So I'm here with him, with Dougie, as always, because um, he has absolutely nowhere else to be in the world other than here producing a podcast with me. I also have my girl, me, she, hey, in the background cooking up some food in the kitchen. So if y'all happen to hear some a sizzling, a, a chitlin loaf falling on the ground. <laughs> We still going to eat it in the name of Jesus, and we're going to bless it for the nourishment of our bodies. Amen, amen. And my guest today is very special to me. My brother, Philip Feaster, is here. Hooray, bravo. (laughs) Outside of being my brother, he happens to be my favorite pianist, an incredible producer, songwriter, just a, a great guy. And I'm going to tell you all this quick story about Feaster, as people call him, before he comes on. I was in Italy on a tour, and I don't even know how Philip came up, but it was something about the way that like Chicago musicians show love to younger musicians in a way that this person felt like Atlanta musicians did not show the same love to younger musicians. And he starts like naming off musicians out of Chicago. Actually, that is exactly how Feaster came up. And he said his name. And I'm like, oh, that's my brother. And he flipped out. Before then, I just felt like I never met anyone who was as studious. And at the time, you and Angel lived in a, like a small apartment. And I just mm-hmm. remember coming to visit and you like mixing records and recording in that little studio that you had built. Like, I just had never met anybody so focused on it. So I appreciated you from that point, but I did not know just how many musicians respected you really until that conversation. Where does that sense of just like humility come from? Uh, well, first, let me say congrats on the cosign. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I love it. Um, but humility, who I am, um, man, I don't know. It's just that's all I know. That's all I've ever been. I love people. Mm-hmm. Love God's people. And people. <laughs> y'all, Dougie does not have a mic. This episode, I'm just screaming. Y'all will never know it because guess what? You're gonna hear him anyway. Thank you, Lord. So 
Um, Feaster is from Chicago. You know, it's a Made big it thing. Out. You ask somebody, you tell somebody you're from Chicago, they always say, where, what part? Where are you from? I'm from the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of the killing was, and yeah. you're right, I made it out. Yeah, wouldn't you're believe good. it. Actually, on like the where all of the killings are, I grew up in those areas, Inglewood, and all of those areas. I went to school in Gersh- Gershwin. I didn't go to. I went to high school in a whole other neighborhood, of course, Curie Metropolitan High School, Condors. Have you ever killed anyone? <laughs> I've never killed. However, <laughs> give it time. Seen a lot of killer. I did. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Rough. It's interesting. It, you will never get that from home. It's yep. interesting um, that you kind of just had an epiphany. Like, yeah, I did make it out. Yeah. What would you credit with your life's trajectory going in a different direction? You know, I have to, a lot. Of, I think about that a lot. I really have to give it to my mother. Okay. I would always call her like, Mama, you must have really prayed for me. Because a lot of, you know, like I, I hang around a lot of guys. I have a lot of family members. And I would notice that my intentions would be different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My approach would be absolutely different. I would always notice people respond to me different. I would always call my mom and have that conversation. Like, Mom, you, you, you know, I felt like she really prayed for me. Now, here is something else. I really felt like I caught my mom at a different era in her life, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, once I came along, I'm the youngest of five. And so I didn't get the same mama that my oldest two siblings got. I would like Yeber to listen to that. And I got a whole different mom. Say it again. Yeah, she was way different. Uh I caught the mom that was in church all night and all day. And big ups to First House of Prayer, Prophet Johnson. (laughs) So we sat in church all day, 40 days of Lent. We literally was in church. You did 41. Yeah, we was Sunday. Only day we didn't go to church was, no, every day. Yeah, except Saturday. Saturday nights was no church. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, church. Sunday morning. You might get a youth program randomly. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? We didn't really do them on Saturdays. Those were all Sunday nights. Yeah. So I was that kid that was drugged to church all the time. I think it gave you ground, right? It gave mm-hmm. you like it softened it softened your heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I always say when I have kids, whether they want to be Christian or not, like if they're old enough to decide differently, that's cool with them. But I think giving them a foundation of kindness and love mm-hmm. and faith, mm-hmm. yeah, it it pushes them towards a certain trajectory, right? Yeah. And where that's a, that's always a foundation, it's always a, a, the core mm-hmm. of them. I think kids need that. Hell yeah. I credit my mom for that. I didn't really have, well, I didn't, not really have. Hi, Mama Juan. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mommy. <laughs> Hello, Mom. I didn't really have, uh, you know, a father, single mama, raising all of the kids. So, wow. yep. So, my mom, it's five of us. So, I have two brothers and two sisters, and I'm the youngest. Yeah. Only musician. Nope. I have an older brother that plays. His name is Dante Dixon. He plays keyboard. That's why I credit getting the gift from, pulling from. He used to take me around, sit me on the keyboard, give me little horn parts to play for concerts that he would be playing, him. And uh, he would take me around with, like, Freddie Moffitt. Yeah, I know. And he would take me, um, we would go see Terry Moore. He would take me, like, over Terry Moore's house. So big ups to them. Shout out to Dante. Dante. Hi, brother. When did you first kind of 
in your mind know, okay, I have some sort of gifting on the piano? Or when did it click to you that you... I remember it? being in grammar school and maybe like my... I want to say I'm horrible with time, but second, maybe second, (laughs) second grade. I was in, I was in first grade. No, I would say about second and third grade. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happened was in Inglewood, South side of Chicago, they implemented a music program and the music teacher, it was actually a choir. They put a choir there and the choir teacher kind of was working with me. I would like, Somehow just started like learning the choir songs on keyboard. And before I knew it, I was playing for the assemblies. Like the, you know, the national anthem, the black national anthem. I would be playing those for the assemblies. Let me me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Is there any place in the world Mm -hmm. where the name Inglewood is a good place? (laughs) I don't know. Inglewood, California is bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like Inglewood and MLK, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Yeah. Observation. But you know what? Great things always come out of Inglewood. You're right. (laughs) You know what? It creates a certain character. Okay, so does anyone else in your family, like of Mama Wan's generation or before, um, is anybody musical outside of you and Dante? Uh, My mom sings, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, My grandmother sang. Um, Did she play anything? I want to say no. I think I'm not 100%. I remember being a little kid, vaguely, and my father would have instruments in the house. Okay. So that's something I would go research. You said you just kind of got on the piano by, with the help of a teacher. And yep. so a teacher saw something in you. And I just want to, as Smith would say, put a quarter in the meter and park here. Mm-hmm. And say that, you know, shout out to all the educators in the world or mentors who see something beautiful in a young child and, you know, tries to pull it out of them. It's very important. I think, you know, Philip Feaster is here as a prime example of what Harold Hooper, yep. When you just take a moment and say, hey, you get on the piano. Yep. He could have been stingy and could have been yeah. like, I'm, you know, I'm not showing you nothing. Mm-hmm. He would show me everything. And before I knew it, he was letting me, I was sitting at the piano. And more abundantly, I don't know what year that was, came on. That was one of the first songs that really I played. I remember sitting at the piano and somehow I just started playing the choir part. And the song just kind of clicked. You didn't even understand why. I had no idea. I was playing in A flat. That's the songs in A flat. I was just playing the song. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, very. And then from there, my next song I think I learned was Get Up If You're On The Lord's Side. I love that song. It was in B flat. I don't remember keys either, but because I guess those are my like first original songs, I remember those songs. I remember what key they're in and everything. And you have no real explanation for like just how or why you just. I have an older brother that plays, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna assume it was you know from there. Other than just God just designed me to do it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, what was your first placement? As a- I used to play for a choir named Chapter. Which is Percy Gray's choir. And from there, they kind of moved, daisy me on to New Direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, way. yep, don't go way. the other way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm headed. And from there, um, I was MDing all the records, musical directing, all the records, uh, well, not all the records, 
some New Direction records I MD'd, uh, some of the Joshua Shoe records I uh, MD'd. I was helping, you know, you know, Percy like kind of form the songs or whatever. And then they let me do a music interlude on one of the records. So I would say that's probably the original. It was a, it was a music interlude. But from there, I have a friend, her name is Tracy Williamson. She would actually help me. We would like write songs together and I would help her finish songs. So we have a placement on DeAndre Patterson's record. Okay. Yep. And I actually played that record too. I played organ on that record. The song is called You Are. I'm glad I remember. So that will probably be the first placement. Man, you know, God is so awesome. My first actual producing, but I remember leaving the Grey Boy camp and feeling nervous, scared, but I knew the call that God had gave me, and I'm like, okay. So I pressed for it. Before you get into it, uh-huh. rewind back. Yep. Tell us that entire Yeah, so <laughs> let me ask this question, because this is kind of personal to me, too. Go so, ahead. Grey Boy mm-hmm. is, again, in my opinion, you know, just one of the best camps for gospel music. It really um, is. I, I know that I, I feel like they have not gotten, like, the credit that they deserve, just, like, in the big scheme of things when it comes to gospel music. But mm-hmm. um, even if they weren't, like, my uncles, I would still feel like oh, no. I jam to that great boy sound, that great boy feel. Yeah, you know, And it's a great training camp up, for all um, of us that's been in there. Oh, my coming God. Coming up under that, com- yep. going to... Christmas concerts mm-hmm. and seeing the way that I mean, so many musicians I know, and you probably better off naming them naming them than I am. But so many musicians that people celebrate that I see on TV, that I see on these world tours, they came out of Grey Boys Camp. Absolutely. And so many great singers came out of Grey Boys Camp, and so many great business people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just and I'm interested in knowing even how you came to be a part of the Grey Boy family because you became mm-hmm. an instrumental part of the Grey Boy family. Um, but I don't really know that story. Okay. So, how did that even so that is my cousin, Demond. Really? Yes. Demond, so I will go to rehearsals. Best choir directors of all time. Yes, of all oh, times. Demond Johnson. Period. Yes. So he would bring me, I would go to rehearsals with him. He was directing for a new direction at the time. Mm-hmm. And from there, that's where they saw me. And I just kind of from there worked my way up. And they were actually using me for like Chicago Mass records. Really? Yeah. Like they, I would come in and play organ. I remember sitting under, um, at the time, Terry Moore was the organ player. Okay. So that was surreal to get there. And he's the actual organ right. player. And I'm sitting, I'm, at that point, I'm sitting under a Gerald Gray on the piano, a Terry Moore on organ, a Teddy Campbell on drums. Uh, J.J. Smith on bass. And so I'm showing up as a kid and I'm just, you know, at that point, you know, you're a kid. I'm soaking it all in. And yeah, so I've come from like really, really good, great stock. Yeah. So amazing. Yep. I'm grateful. That was, that's probably, man, this story would be way different. Like I learned all of my producing skills. I remember produce. Yeah, exactly. From the Percy. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, I remember Percy and Gerald. They used to take me on, uh, like we would go to Nashville to mix New Direction records. You know what I'm saying? Because at the time, New Direction had the major record deal, right. and so they would take me down to Nashville. We would mix their records, and then Joshua's Troop eventually got mm-hmm. the deal, and we would like go to Nashville, mix the records. All my produce, I can produce a choir now. Yep. You know, and then, yeah, I don't boast, but like I can produce a choir. I could, you know what I'm saying? Just 
I'm, I feel like I'm well-rounded because I came from that kind of stock. And I feel like, go ahead, Dougie. Mm-hmm. I'll ask you here, sir. Uh, why do choirs like Chicago Mass and Mississippi Mass have like one leader? Why do they do that? Well, you know what? They don't really have a one leader. I'm, I can't speak of for Mississippi. Mississippi got that old, old But Chicago Mass, they would have a different lead singer on every song. You was probably learning all the hits. You didn't listen to the whole record. Then there you go. There was one guy, and that's Percy Gray. Now you know who he is. I promise you. I don't even know the song you're talking about. He's not tall at all. He's he's medium. He looks tall. He's taller than you, so he's probably tall. He's probably tall. Raspy voice. I'll kill you, Philip. He's taller than you, so that makes him tall. Sorry. What some other peers that you either? Grew up with in Grey Boy, or who are some other musicians that maybe our listeners may recognize? Um, let's see, you have Grey Boy. At my, at, okay, let me see who was playing with me. Uh, Rick Robinson was there. Yeah. He was he was instrumental. You have Quinn Anderson on drum. You have Sheree Reed. You may I know spent from like Anita Wilson. Yep, I spent a lot of time with Sheree Reed, mm-hmm. the late Cornell Thigpen. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the songs you've produced and written over the years. Okay. So that era would start, like, really, when it got really heavy was with the Fred Hammond era. Mm -hmm. So I've been with Fred maybe, like, 12 years. so crazy, brother. Can I just say, sidebar. I don't mean to interrupt you, but we've had this conversation on the podcast before. Everybody knows Fred is my favorite gospel artist. Nice. What? Uh, Dougie's favorite gospel artist is John Piki. Yes. Really? Yes, you he for loves real. John Piki. <laughs> Just love John Piki. I got it. So Dougie, um, his his favorite John Piki, but my favorite's always been Fred. And I use this story as another example as to why I feel like God favors me in like every way in my life. Because nice. what better mm-hmm. way for me to be able to enjoy my favorite gospel artist of all time than my brother? Becoming a part of his band. And I mean, I'm telling you, y'all, this is real. If my mom was here, she would tell you. I was in love with Cisco growing up. Cisco. Yeah! If my mom, bless her heart, would go to Walmart on one of her Walmart runs that brother knows about all too Oh, well, yeah, Walmart. She would bring me back things from Walmart, like a poster <laughs> of Drew Hill or like a new CD she saw or a video she saw or anything that she saw that would add to my collection, she would bring it for me. Wow. But she would also need anything for him. And like, I remember when the DVDs came out and the new CDs, Show Yourself Strong, the well, you band, I can't even... It. Give me your favorite. Give me, a, give oh, me your top three for Hammond. do it, Dougie. Okay. Top three for I want your top three for Hammond. Not the ones you're My reading. top three Fred Hammond songs of all time. Let it minister to you. I really cannot answer this question because there's because no there's so okay, many no there's here's too the many. reason why I'm gonna tell you why I can't because Philip being with Fred over the years has allowed for me to know not just the songs but all the variations of the songs like I know like the warehouse variations of some mm. of the songs I love that were on like albums and now that it's different you know what I mean like it may creep up as a favorite um I could never do that but I can tell you what I love about Fred. I don't want that. That's not what I asked you. I can't. I, I don't know. Like, it's really hard. Show yourself strong. For 24 change. hours. Show yourself strong. That bass line and the way the... the, 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 the it almost... You know what it feels like to me? People moving out. People moving in. Why? Because uh, of the color of the skin. Run, 
run, run, but you sure can. Also, I don't know if you're singing the Temptations version, but I'm actually singing Sister Act 2 version. That's why I rolled my R. So, whatever. <laughs> so, well, here's, mine is, please don't pass me by. Don't bother. Oh, man. You can never I, get over. I feel like the second half of that, I feel like... Oh man, I love you, Fred Hammond. But I, I think you had like your pinnacle was Songs in the Key of Life. Like, that's uh, was not guilty. That's Stevie Wonder, right? Songs in the Key of Life. I hate you, Philip. Uh, I couldn't let that pass, Fred. <laughs> I just want you to know that I despise you. Uh, I do mean pages of life. I'm, I'm now that's Fred Hammond. That's definitely Fred right there. Oh yeah. Fred, that's Stevie all day. If you are on your way to church in the morning or just your work or whatever, if you put on glory to glory, I promise you, it will change your entire mood, your entire everything. Let me just say this. I was I was a minister of music at a church uh, a few years ago. And when things would go bad, I'd be like, call the audible, glory to glory, hit it. And like when that drum come in. Like the women would be just it's dancing in the aisles. Yeah. I, I mean, too busy listening to the Touche. Where I came from, you listen to that nonsense, Fred Hammond, John Piquet, <laughs> you're a monster. You need to get them Slim and Supreme <laughs> Angels, uh, Cat Spirituals, Doc McKenzie, uh, uh, and anybody else who can scream for an hour. Have, they, usually, uh, they usually gargle with nails before they get started with the singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Philip. I'm still waiting on your rep. Okay. Like, give, give me some of your favorite songs that you've given well, us. Well, before you get there, because I know you're about to go into like heavy Fred, can you just kind of point us towards some gray boy songs that you either feel like you had a big impact on or some of your favorite gray boy songs that you played on? You know what? Produced? Yep. Um, the You're Welcome Here record, that was the last record. Yeah. The, even the record before yeah. that, I'm In Love With Jesus. Yep. That's in every church. In yep. America now. And so from there, then we get into the Fred Hammond era. <clears throat> and I'm going to say this here. I don't, I don't know that I've ever said it live or, but the This Is The Day record was a free to worship record. Right. And it was so weird because when I showed up, Fred really wasn't using his band. And in that record, you're right. Yeah, because like, before the, the end, he would use like random people in the city because he's just that great. He would use random people in the city and just make these songs. Now, he did, for the Free to Worship record, do a video with his current band, which was like Calvin and Rogers, and Steve Goldsmith was on that yeah, one. Yeah, I just okay, uh, so shout out to Calvin Rogers. We didn't mention yeah, him from I, know, I was on my Chicago. way to get him. Okay, go ahead. Yo, 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 yo. He, go ahead. he did play for New Direction, but he was like, you know, he was a drummer for, at right, one point right. at, for one particular right. era. Right. But I went to high school with Calvin Rogers. Okay. He went to Curie Metropolitan High School with me. And um, what happened was he ended up calling me. So here's the story of that. He was calling me to fill in for, for like Fred for a while. And what happened was I've never really been interested in traveling. I never was interested. Like I remember calling. He would call, 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 call. And so what happened was I ended up accepting one of them. And he called and he's like, yo, can you fill in? I was filling in for Cornell Thickman. He was the keyboard player at the time. And I'm like, man, I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Hero. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, all right, I'll do this gig. It was a Mother's Day. 
I fill in for him. And what happened was Cornell ended up getting another gig. Mm-hmm. So I'm showing up Fred's like, yo, do we need a permission slip to be here? Like, <laughs> right, he looks 10. He looks 10. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Like, is he okay? Is he going to make it? And I'll never forget. From that point on, Cornell found another gig and they asked me to stay. Mm-hmm. And I had no intentions on being there. It was I was literally going to fill in. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, because I don't want to play. I'm like, I don't want to be on the roll. You know what I'm saying? Which was probably just me. You know, I'm a homebody. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, well, I'll do it. I'll help out. You know, it's cool. It should be fun. Let me do something different. And I went out and I did it. And of course, from that point on, like they asked me to stay. And from the end, this was what I was saying before, we went right into a record, which was the Love Unstoppable record. Yes. And here's the beauty about that record. The beauty about that record was I had never seen that. We had no songs. I showed up day one. Let's say they might have booked us like three weeks out. I showed up. There were no songs. So Fred is so brilliant that we would sit there, feel what the room was feeling, you know what I'm saying, and write a song musically that night. Fred would go home and write the lyric that night. And come back with a whole written song. We did all, however many songs on that record, we did all those songs like that. Like we created them like right on the spot. And that's kind of probably where I get my niche for producing from. Really. So Love Unstoppable, you guys may know They That Wait from that record. Oh man. Yes. That was my first radio single. That stayed on the charts for 30 something weeks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just a jam. I have a three part question. Part number one, what makes a good writer? Mm-hmm. Part number two, what makes a good producer? And part number three, what makes a good MD? To me, what makes a good writer, um, man, is a focused lyric. Richard Smallwood, um, I'm a huge Richard Smallwood fan, guys. I grew Same. up listening. Like, I didn't do a lot of the old. I was James Cleveland, Richard Smallwood, kind of. Not even Fred Hammond, actually. I was more so them. At any rate, Richard Smallwood just kind of shared a nugget about writing and how you paint a picture. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, to me, a good writer is someone who's, um, and I hate to limit it to like our times, but we spent a lot of time, like the way I told you guys, we created Fred's record. Uh We spent a lot of time um, dealing with relevant conversations, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so I always like to write based upon what's relevant at the moment. So to me, that's a great writer. Now, I've also encountered a writer who can take a song and write the same song five and six times and say three different things. Mm. Big ups to like Tiff Joy. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's a good writer. I love you, Tiff we Joy. haven't even gotten to yeah. the era of your like, like, so to me, that's a great writer. Like, we'll rewriting songs, and then it'd be like, yeah, this song is not working for right now. Can you write a different lyric over the same music? And it's done, you know? And so to me, that's a, a great writer. Um, I'm big as a, okay, what was his writer? It was producer. producer. So as a producer, when I'm showing up to produce records, I'm going to tie it into the writing as well, is it's real important to me, one, that we are saying whatever the artist ministry is about. Make sense? 
Like, for example, I don't want to show up. I have my signature sound, of, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. but I don't want to show up and be, um, especially on the writing, the lyric, con- the lyrical content is very important. You know what I'm saying? When you're producing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't ever want to show up and conform them to me. Like, to me, that's what makes a great producer. That's what's going to keep me working because I can be, I can, it's like I'm a hybrid. I can, can adapt to yeah. anybody's situation. I don't come in and make you sound like me because my sound at some point will get dated. That's music. Yeah. Music evolves. And so it can't always just be me, me, me. But if I'm coming in every situation and I'm creating a little me, but majority you, mm-hmm. it makes it make sense. To me, it's very important that I dig into who you are. Like Dougie as the artist. Who are you? What are you trying to say? Right, we, don't, we don't need the answer. We don't need the answer. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? I'll say it anyway. Uh, Asian women and puppies. Okay. And so in the event of Asian women and puppies, <laughs> my first question is, how does that glorify God? Wow. Thank you, Philip, for hanging out with us at the Cosine Podcast. If you, too, would like to play the piano or any instrument, please go to your local piano teacher because we can't do nothing for you over here. Hashtag... Keep art alive. Dougie. (laughs) Yes, thank y'all for tuning in. We cannot help you get piano lessons, but we hope that you will give us those five stars. Like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you thought of part one of Philip Feaster's episode of the Cosign Podcast. Stay tuned for part two and the many other amazing creatives we have this season for you. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 